Thanks for listening to this sermon recording from Liberty Family Church in Hillsville, Victoria, Australia. All of our sermons are available for free online, and we encourage you to subscribe to our sermon podcast through iTunes or by clicking the button on our website. If you'd like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, or would like more information about our church, head to www.libertyfamilychurch.net.au. God bless you, and we pray that this sermon recording encourages you and strengthens your faith in Jesus Christ. Good morning, Liberty Family Church, and good morning to you if you're visiting online with us today. We're glad you could join us and celebrate God and His love together. I'm confident this morning that none of us have ever gone through a pandemic before. But if you have, that makes you over 100 years old. And I congratulate you on surviving the Spanish flu and the coronavirus pandemic so far. I say so far because, as you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Hopefully, a successful vaccine is on the not-too-distant horizon and then we'll be able to move about more freely. But until a vaccine arrives, our methods of defence are limited. Social distancing, hand hygiene, masks and, of course, quarantine. As you know, there's been a lot of talk about quarantine recently. Quarantine is the principle of isolating potentially infectious people to prevent the spread of severe disease into a healthy community. Quarantine is all about protection of the healthy. And the importance of effective quarantine has been highlighted in this pandemic. I'm sure we can all sympathise with those who've had to undertake 14 days in quarantine. Stuck in a hotel room for 14 days, no fresh air, uh, limited meal options, limited social contact, limited entertainment. Those 14 days must seem like forever. For some it might even feel like a prison sentence. And when those 14 days are up, what a great sense of relief there must be that it's all over. But despite its inconvenience and its unpleasantness, most people can appreciate and accept the necessity of quarantine. But can you imagine just for a moment if quarantine was extended and even more freedoms were denied? How would you cope with that situation? Well, for some people in society, that is their reality. For those people who end up on the wrong side of the law, prison life reflects a form of quarantine where those found dangerous to the community are isolated for various lengths of times to protect the well-being of others. But let's take it even further. What if you were quarantined forever, for eternity? No hope or no hope or 
No hope of release or freedom ever. What on earth am I talking about? Or more accurately, what in the heavens am I talking about? I'm talking about imprisonment of the Spirit forever, eternity. A sentence with no hope or prospect of release. That would be hell, don't you think? Well, in fact, that is exactly what hell amounts to. Eternal imprisonment of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus came to save us from. Imprisonment of our spirit. Hell. Listen to these words from a a close friend of Jesus, the Apostle Peter, recorded in the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. The Apostle Peter tells us that after his resurrection, Jesus made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who'd lived in disobedience to God, a disobedience that the Bible calls sin. These imprisoned spirits are in a place for the dead that the Bible calls Hades, a place where the spirits of the unrighteous wait for their final judgment by God. But it wasn't just those in the days of Noah who were disobedient and sinned. That's a definition that fits all of us, you and me and all of mankind. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all disobeyed God. We've all sinned. You and I both. And the effect of our sin is to separate us from God. Spiritual separation. Sin breaks our relationship with God. It separates us from God. This is how the prophet Isaiah puts it in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This spiritual separation from God is described elsewhere in the Bible as being dead in our sins or or dead in our transgressions. We might be physically alive, but we can still be spiritually dead at the same time. You might have heard the expression between two estranged people, two people who can no longer bear being in the same room together, can't stand the sight of each other, not talking to each other anymore. And one might think or or even might say of the other, you're dead to me. 
What they mean is the relationship is broken down. They have irreconcilable differences. Something has come between the two people to create a divide that cannot be crossed. Well, that is what our sin does between us and God. Our sin creates a great divide that separates us from God. We are estranged from God. And it seems like the differences are irreconcilable. The relationship is as good as dead because of sin. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's talking about the devil here. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The Bible also clarifies the consequences of the wrath of God, what we deserve due to our sin disobedience. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. But not the sort of death that we might think or even imagine. This does not mean the cessation of life. The biblical term for death more accurately means a separation. Remember the verse we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It said that we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live. In other words, we were physically alive, but we were dead in our sins. Still breathing, heart still beating, but dead nevertheless. Not physically dead, spiritually dead spiritually separated, our spirit separated from the spirit of God, estranged spirits, ours from God's. That is spiritual death. And likewise, physical death is a separation also. It's a separation of our spirit from our physical body. When our hearts stop beating, we stop breathing, And three minutes later, without successful CPR, our brain is dead. We are physically dead, but we don't cease to exist. Our spirit lives on, but is separated from our physical body. That's why Jesus was able to make proclamation to the disobedient, imprisoned spirits of those who lived long ago, before the days of Noah. So this is what the Bible means by the first death, physical death, separation of our spirit from our physical body. The physical body has, so the saying goes, given up the ghost. Or more accurately, the physical body has given up its spirit, our spirit. That's physical death, the first death. 
And spiritual, sep- and spiritual death is a separation of our spirit from the spirit of God. As we just read, our spirit can be separated from God in this life. And that happens when we are dead in our sins, disobedient to God. But what's even worse is that for those who remain dead in their sins beyond this life, their spiritual separation from God is final, sealed forever. And this is what the Bible calls the second death. The eternal separation from, of our spirit from the spirit and the blessings of God. And that is hell. And no one in their right mind would choose that option. So what's the answer? How can we escape this second death? How can we escape this eternal separation of our spirit from God's spirit? How can we escape hell? One way, only one way. Faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we who were once dead in our sins, spiritually dead in our sins, separated from God, we are now made spiritually alive again. We're brought back into relationship with God. We are reconciled with God. And the Apostle Paul explains this further as we continue in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now that's good news. It's great news for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. We were dead in our sins. We were separated from God. But now we're made alive again in Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God is alive again. Reconciliation with God made possible through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Through faith, we are brought near to God to know and enjoy Him forever. But there's a flip side. What about those without faith? 
Or for those without faith in Jesus Christ, the bad news is that they remain dead in their sins. Spiritually dead, separated from God. Those without faith experience the first death, physical death, separation of their spirit from their physical body, just like the rest of us. But those without faith remain dead in their sins, spiritually dead and separated from God after this life. But this separation, this separation is now sealed forever. This is what the Bible calls the second death. Not just a life sentence, this is an eternal life sentence. And the Bible gives this sentence a name. It's called hell. The name hell in the New Testament comes from the Greek word Gehenna, which is Hebrew for the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom is a place just southwest of Jerusalem, where years before the Jews inhabited Israel, pagans in the land would worship the pagan god Molech by killing, by sacrificing their own children in flames of fire. And the Israelites turned the valley of Hinnom quite understandably into a dump where rubbish and refuse was burned, quite fitting. And the smouldering fires and the, and the festering worms that were found in the valley of Hinnom made it a graphic and effective image or picture of hell. What hell would be like, the fate of those who remain spiritually dead in their sin. And this image of the fire of hell is recorded in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelations, when it describes this second death and eternal separation from God as a lake of fire. This second and final spiritual death of those without faith stands in stark contrast to the future of those who've been made spiritually alive through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to the future as God revealed it in a vision to the Apostle John and recorded in the book of Revelations, chapter 21, verse 1 to 8. This is what the Apostle John saw. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
he who was seated on the throne, that's God, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, that's those without faith in Jesus Christ, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What a contrast this passage paints between the future of those who enjoy the presence and the blessings of God against those who are consigned to hell and separated from God from all eternity. Their fate, their terrible fate, is described elsewhere in Scripture with images of complete and utter darkness, terrible anguish and torment, regret, everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of God. That is hell. A place of total, conscious, eternal separation from the presence and the blessings of God. So why on earth are we talking about hell today? During this COVID pandemic, we consider that 14 days of quarantine separated from the benefits of community as being hard to bear. But how would any of us bear up in hell? The Bible warns us that hell is a fate worse than death, worse than physical death, that is. Hell is the second death, a place of eternal and final separation from God, a place to be avoided at any cost. Hell is an eternal quarantine, spiritual isolation, so that the spiritually sick cannot infect the children and the kingdom of God. I want to ask you a question today. Where will your spirit spend eternity? When these heavens and the earth pass away, when God makes all things new, where will your spirit be? Will you be with God, enjoying his presence, his love and his blessings forever? Or will you be in hell, in darkness, tormented by regret and shut out from the presence of God? Not just for 14 days, forever, 
eternity. Perhaps you're listening today and you've never even given this question the attention it deserves. Well, if that's the case, today you have an opportunity to make a decision. A decision that you should make today without any delay. Because one thing the COVID COVID pandemic has reminded us is that tomorrow comes with no guarantees. When I started preparing this message, COVID had claimed the lives of over 800,000 people worldwide. And today, COVID has claimed the lives of almost 1 million people. People like you and me who probably thought they would wake up tomorrow. But instead they woke up to a new reality, the realm of the spirit. And the only thing that determined their spiritual destiny was faith in Jesus Christ. Some had faith and some did not. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ in this life, while they had opportunity, their spirits have been welcomed into the presence of God. But those without faith in Jesus Christ, the unbelievers, their spirits are now confined to a place the Bible calls Hades, where the imprisoned spirits of the unrighteous wait their final destiny. The lake of fire, darkness, regret and eternal separation from God, a place that the Bible calls hell. The Bible implores us that today is the day of salvation. Because if you die tonight, tomorrow or the next day or next week or next year, we'll be too late. If you want to be saved today, saved from spiritual death and eternity separated from God, then I invite you to join me in a prayer right now and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can be reconciled to God right now. Shut out everything else. This is the most important moment and the most important prayer of your life. Shut your eyes and let your spirit draw near to the Spirit of God. God has promised that if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. So let's pray to Him together now if you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ and enjoy eternity in the presence of God. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you that you love me, even though I have disobeyed your plans for the best in life. Please forgive this sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. Thank you that you forgive me and now accept me as your child. I look forward to knowing you better and the future we will share and enjoy together. Amen. Amen means I agree with everything that I've just prayed. 
If you've prayed that prayer with me, then I want to celebrate your faith with you. And everyone here at Liberty celebrates your faith with you also. The Bible says that all of heaven is celebrating the moment that you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to join with all of Liberty Family Church now as we celebrate together that we have all been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We all were alienated and separated from God. We were all dead in our transgressions and sins. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been made alive again and reconciled to God to enjoy relationship with him, to know him forever. This is how the Apostle Paul sums it up in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, that sin, disobedience to God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through his death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Jesus taught his disciples and us to remember this truth by regularly sharing a meal that symbolizes his sacrificial death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid that penalty for us. He paid the wages of sin for us when he died on the cross in our place so that we don't have to. This meal that Jesus taught his disciples and us to share, we call communion because it celebrates our common union through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a meal that remembers that Jesus' blood was poured out as he hung on the cross for us. And it remembers his physical body that was broken for us, sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus took that death of ours upon himself and died in our place so that we might have eternal life. Eternal life, life in all its fullness, reconciled to God, made righteous in God's sight, free from any accusation or blemish of sin. This is what we celebrate as we share this communion meal together. So in a moment, we're going to remember Jesus in this communion meal. So I hope you have uh, a biscuit or a piece of bread or, or something to represent Jesus' body and uh, a small glass of juice or, or water to remember Jesus' blood that was poured out for the remission, for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's pray before we celebrate together. 
God, we thank you for your great love for us. God, we just ask and claim the forgiveness that is ours through the blood of Jesus Christ and his body that was sacrificed on the cross. Thank you that you loved us so much that you made a way possible for our sins to be forgiven. Thank you that Jesus died in our place so that we could be made righteous and holy, free from accusation in your sight, that our spirit can be reunited in relationship with yours now and to enjoy your presence and your blessings forever. We give you thanks for your great love. And Jesus, we give you thanks for your sacrifice. Amen. Let's eat and drink together as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made.